We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 Valspar Championship DraftKings Picks and Preview. Reminder to smash the like button to the episode. Sub to Mayo Media Network. Leave your favorite 6K play down in the description and subscribe to the free Mayo Media Newsletter. All the final bets, weather and ownership projections are all going to be in there on Wednesday evening, along with some more March Madness info and research, which, of course, I did not do. But someone else, my keen researcher, put together some power rankings, some key stats, maybe some bets to look at. Plus, I'll have a link to our show that I did with Custom Raza on Sunday evening, filling out our bracket. You can catch all of that on the Pat Mayo Experience pod feed and Mayo Media Network right now. But you should probably watch this show first. Just like you should watch the NCAA show, the research show, the show I did with Jeff. All good stuff. But now we're talking to Reed Fowler from DK Live and PGA Live. I think is what we're calling it right now. Cause I want to live, I want to live under par read Fowler. Same. Uh, look, it's, I, I was talking to you earlier and the new studio looks great, but I'm happy to be back in the home studio. It feels much more personal, Pat, that you and I are in the home studio, but glad to be here, man. It's been a while. Yeah. Bad weather outside. Didn't want to travel. And I've been sick for like 72 hours now recently threw up as of like 30 minutes ago. Stomach flu will get you. It's either a stomach flu or it's food poisoning, but it's been lingering for like three and a half days. So I've been like sleeping 18 hours a day in my off time. I've been recording shows, doing some golf research. It was nice on Monday when I just got to watch the players all day. Well, watch all day is probably kind of a stretch. I listened to it on the radio in bed for like half the day. Then I was trying to stream it on my iPad. I was like, man, I got to go watch this live. You got to watch Cam Smith bury everything. Although it turned out to be okay. He held off Lahiri. It was okay. It was all right. Valspar. This is the final leg of the Florida swing. It is weirdly not considered to be the most challenging course. Although I think at like ideal conditions, it is the hardest of these four courses Mm -hmm. that we've seen. And we just tend to get crazy weather and you you see such gigantic scores of PGA national and Bay Hill and even the players, because there's so much water. You don't really have that here. I mean, there is water on this course, but it's not prevalent. Like it is at the other three This is just a hard fucking course. Uh, you need to be on the right side of the fairway, not, not on the right side of the hole, not necessarily the fairway. You have a lot of long irons in here. You have to lay up off the tee uh, and you do need to be able to scramble. We've seen that. But at the end of the tournament, when we look at the top of the leaderboard, the winners 
they're all basically name brand players outside of Adam Hadwin. I mean, you can say that Sam Burns isn't, but he's a top 15 player in the world right now. So I think you kind of have to concede that he is, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. If you look at if you look at the odds, right, Pat, of the last five or six winners, it's been you know below that 50, like 50 to one range. And Sam Burns, while he was closer to 80, 90 pre-tournament last year, that was more of a lagging indication of how good he really was or really is, right? Because now you're saying, look, he's one of the best players in the world. He could have won last week easily if it wasn't for a blunder on Sunday, but you mentioned or Monday. But you mentioned it, the long iron distribution, if you take a look on Fantasy National, between 175 and 200, it's 6% higher than tour average here. And you also take a look at the course. It's tree-lined. There's a lot of elevation changes, um, which is not necessarily indicative of Florida golf. It kind of feels more like the Carolinas type of golf, right, where we get more of that type of player. And not necessarily saying that RBC and some of these courses are correlations, but it's a little bit different. And so you get a little bit of, of a different feel here at Valspar and the snake pit, those last three holes, they're extremely tough. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a good finish. Like all Florida courses have been, you know, the last two or three holes, sort of the, uh, the, the pinnacle of the golf course. Are you worried about guys that played well into Monday, maybe seeing some burnout? Cause I wasn't. Then Paul Casey withdrew. And I was like, if there's any place that Paul Casey's going to go play, yeah. it's the place where he's won twice. And he's like, nah, I'm good. I got my million. I'm taking the week off. Yeah. I like, so I, I guess you would think some of those guys that like really grinded mentally would probably be a little, I'd be a little bit worried about but at the same time. It's right. If we're not there, right, Pat, if you're not seeing these guys kind of lag around the course, be a little bit tired, maybe shoulders shrugged a little bit. Body language is a little bit tight or negative. It's really hard to tell. I would hate to be, you know, I'm fading a guy that went deep, like, you know, deep into Monday and he comes out and he wins his golf tournament. Because what we've seen over the last, what, four weeks is that guys who played well the week previous in the Florida swing, top five, top 10, usually are playing well the next week, right? We saw it at, at, uh, at PJ National. We, we saw it at, at, at Bay Hill. That guys who have tended to play well, not all of them, but for a good portion, uh, tend to play well the next week in Florida. And that's kind of what I'm thinking here. So I'm not too worried, but yeah, like I, I'm also not worried about them missing the cut. Like guys who missed the cut last week either, right? No, I would think that's, it, it depends on, I guess it would depend on what wave they got sent out in, but mm -hmm. maybe some of them don't like the lag time. Then you have someone like Morikawa who just ended up in the bad draw, same as Xander. And what are they going to do? Uh, some of the guys made the cut. Most of them did not. So they got that extra rest and got to go to Tampa a little bit earlier. So let's talk about the 10K guys, the most expensive player on the board, Justin Thomas, who apparently in like non-hurricane conditions isn't good, but when you give him the worst conditions possible, he's fantastic. He's at 11,000. Vic is 10.8. 10.7 is Morikawa. Xander is 10.3. Dustin is 10.2. I'm guessing that Dustin and Hovland are going to be the two choices for most people here. Maybe Justin Thomas. I don't know. But I'm kind of gravitating towards that middle grouping. Like Morikawa not being the most expensive guy in this field, I think is disrespect to Morikawa because he has one bad week. Now he's the third highest priced guy in a field that doesn't include all of the best players in the world. Okay, so Morikawa, check, using Morikawa. And Xander. Why not Xander? It feels like out of these five guys, he's the one that will come in the lowest owned at least. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're playing game theory, if you want to, you know, like we talked about, you get after those name, those marquee guys, I think Xander is your game theory play. I'm, I'm with you, though, with Morikawa. I mean, you take a look at what he did last week and you throw that out the door. I mean, he was second runner up at the Genesis and that's what you want, right? I mean, how many times have we seen at this course 
or towards the end, right? Those last three holes where I believe, and I don't want to, you know, open reopen a wound here, Pat, with Jason Kokrak. Oh, no. But that's a, what we've seen, right? Is And who else do you want towards the end, right? With those placement points. And even if you're talking about the outrights, Kyle Murakawa is that guy for me because if it's not Victor Hovland, it's Murakawa who, in my mind, is playing the best golf. And I lean towards Murakawa because Vic's around the green game. While it's not necessarily as penal here, you still need it. I'm just a little bit worried about that. So give me Morikawa. It's funny because the stats will probably tell you, at least in the short term, that Morikawa probably is the lesser play, the lesser value between the top three guys. And I think you can certainly make that case, potentially. But with Justin Thomas sitting up there, we know that he's going to scramble his brains out if the driver is working a little bit well. And he's going to be a formidable favorite here. With Vic, it's kind of the opposite. We know that he's going to strike it well. Can he get it up and down enough times to make a difference? Uh, And I think that the ownership will probably be evenly distributed between the three of them. I just always feel better with Morikawa. And now that he's at the cheaper price than the other two, it does give me a little bit of savings on the back end because there are a few 6K guys I like, but not a ton to tell you the truth, especially after some of the withdrawals. This field is very top heavy. Uh, one of the strongest fields we've seen at the Valspar in quite some time. So the more you can jam in, maybe not using any of the 10K guys, going the 9K mm-hmm. approach might be the way to go. But if you were to go up there, give me your three plays from up here. Power rank them for me. Yeah, it probably Morikawa, DJ, and then Xander. Like Hovland is is like, I mean, it's it's you can't really knock against him other than when they were on the green. And he's just amazing with his irons, long irons, anything you name it. And even with the putting, he was strong. But I'd 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 rather go with with Morikawa, Xander, and DJ, and then fade the top two guys. Then in the nine Ks, Louis leads it off. I would expect Louis to be pretty popular this week, but this is. You know, second week in a row, he played like five days at the players. That's never shaping up well for Louie, is it? No, Louie. God, I've texted Ulrich I don't know how many times in the last three days, probably a hundred total, on how Louie is such a complete... I mean, it's bipolar with Louie. I mean, look, vintage Sunday, Monday Louie with the 76 coming out when he was only three back coming into that. And and look, this is a great course for Louie who stays in, right? I mean, he sets up well. He's plays finished well here. And now he's got a couple of, uh, of tournaments on the Florida swing under his belt. But if there was ever a, a WD tournament, like mid tournament for anybody here, it's Louis Ustays in, right? So I'm actually staying away. Uh, the betting market, he's much too short. I think he's around plus 1400 or plus 1600, which is wildly too short for me. And, you know, I'm going to Shane Lowry. I know we'll talk about him in a little bit, but I'm probably failing, fading Louie. And then the next two guys in Hatton and Lowry are the two guys that I'd rather play over big old Louie. Yeah, it's worth noting that Louie in his past four appearances at the Valspar has a top 20 each time, top 10s in yeah. three of those. And the two guys that we just went with in Morikawa and Xander never played this course before. But Vic showed up here for the first time ever last year and came in third. So I don't think it's a complete necessity that you have good course knowledge. We just haven't really seen that play out over the years. Paul Casey hadn't played this event either ever or in years and then won it in back-to-back years. And that's kind of creating a funnel right now in these mid-nines because it goes Louie, Hatton, Lowry, Burns. Burns, then Casey, who would have sucked up a ton of ownership at his price mm-hmm. point, and then Brooks, Answer, Kokrak, Fleetwood, and Fitzpatrick. I would expect Fitzpatrick to be pretty popular this week if I uh, had to peg it down. He and Louie, I would project to be the two highest owned of the 9K range. Uh, I'm using Brooks because I'm an absolute sucker. I might even <laughs> use Fleetwood because I'm also a sucker, but Brooks for sure is going in the lineup. And I think I'm just going to, I like your call on Hatton and Lowry. I like Lowry a lot. 
but I think I might just stick with Kokrak and Sam Burns. Sam Burns, Brooks, Kokrak. You could even start your lineups with those three guys if you really wanted to. Yeah, especially Sam Burns, right, Pat? Like, I mean, he was the best golfer for three rounds and not even like, what, through like Thursday through Sunday. <laughs> or four rounds. I don't even know how many rounds over four days. He was the best golfer for four days last week. Um, and he just could not put it together, right? He was putting so well from that 10 to 15. And boy, like if you followed my like mental state of guys who miss putts within 10 feet, six feet, four feet over the last three weeks, you'd be, you'd think I'd be, I would need to be committed um, because like, that's what you need. And Burns is such a good putter and he destroyed the par fives here last year. And that's also what you need, right? So I love that call Brooks. I don't know about Brooks, man. I, I get why you want to, cause you're a sucker. And because the sentiment on Brooks is really low, but look, he got the wrong side of the tee draw and you look at his finishes leading up to the players. They are fantastic. So I like the Brooks call, but I'm probably going Lowry as my favorite and then Burns as well for that game theory play because a lot of people burned, a lot of people got burned by Burns last week. I, I, was, I was one of them with an outright on Burns. I mean, he still finished 26. It wasn't like it was horrible. It's just what the expectation was going into the final rounds. Like, oh, he's live here. Like, I think he was one shot. At, what was he one back? He was ahead of Cam yeah. Smith. And he was in that group and it was like, okay, Sam Burns can most definitely do this. I've seen this before. And it just went south so quickly. I do worry that he played the API. He played the players. He played that awful weekend and came inside the top 10. It was a good grind out at API that maybe he's running on a bit of fumes and may only be here because he's the defending champion and feels Mm. obligated to be here because he's going to be playing in the match play next week. So I'll make it four consecutive weeks before an off week than the masters. So I'm a bit squishier on him. And then I look at Hatton who's playing like, okay, but he's gained over 16 strokes putting in his last two starts. Like that's, that's great. That's great news. Like I would hope that he would gain eight strokes putting every single event, but the fact that he didn't win any of those two events is kind of concerning because that's not keeping up. Yeah, and like, how's his mental state? Right, <laughs> like, oh, he's fine. He, he he's like me on the golf course. He gets very upset, very angry after a horrible shot. But that's the <laughs> cleanse that he needs to, to center himself. Right, just because people true. blow up and look angry doesn't mean that they're angry for the next two hours. It just you know you, you release the steam, you reset, you're good to go. Right. And that's actually, you make a good point, right? Because everyone has an emotional arc that they have to go through. And his is just a lot quicker than most people's. Unlike Matt Wolf, who waits till the 18th hole, hits a bad shot, then throws his wedge in the water last week, right? Just get it out, slam the club, and then move on. And look, Hatton, what he's done, right? If you take a look at Bay Hill, what he did on Saturday to Sunday, it was amazing. So you know he can turn it around quickly. Um, You mentioned uh, Fitzpatrick. And while like at $9,000, you mentioned that he's going to be popular. I agree, but like he just sets up well. <laughs> he hasn't won yet. He kind of has that Louis type of mentality um, or, or type of sentiment for me, at least with Fitzpatrick. But when you look at par five scoring pad over the last, what, two dozen rounds on Fantasy National, or maybe even the last dozen, I forget what it is. He's top, you know, he's top marks. He's like top three in that category. And that's never what you think about Fitzpatrick. So I like him here, but yeah, you're right. I, I think the one guy that, probably would be the one that could make or break a lot of lineups is Burns. I know Abraham Answer is getting a lot of love, but I'm not just there yet. Uh, Answer will be popular, but I don't think it's going to be like off the charts popular, probably like 15, 16, 17%. I would say I'm good with fading him for Shane Lowry is probably like 13, 14. I'm with you on Lowry. Burns is going to be right around that category too. So Hatton uh, might be around 10. And then you have the Brooks and Fleetwood. I mean, 
Should we buy at all into Fleetwood that when he played in good conditions on Thursday, he was very good. He never got lower than that again during the rest of the week. But on paper, when I think about Fleetwood, if he actually has rectified some of these driving woes, the irons have still been fine. He's been putting actually pretty good that maybe when we think about like U.S. Open type players, grinder type players, I mean, Tommy's whole bag was that he used to show up and play well at U.S. Opens. Yeah, and if you look at what he did last week, it was pretty flat against, you know, all statistical categories, right? He was solid tee to green. I think he gained, yeah, gained eight strokes tee to green. He just could not putt. But boy, like in the first round, he looked like he couldn't miss anything. Like he got, I mean, those conditions on Thursday morning, right, were dome conditions. Lift clean in place. You know, you could fire at every single pin, and those guys really took advantage. Um, it's just towards the end, right? There's always that one round. It's the same thing with Louis that happens on Sunday with Ricky, with Finau. Well, less Finau because all rounds are bad for Finau right now. But Tommy's got to get away from that one round where he shoots three, four over par. And at this course, while it's not going to kill you because winning scores are probably going to be around, what, they've been around 10 under par over the last handful of years. I'm still waiting for, and this is probably, you know, a lot of people waiting for that pop for, for, for Fleetwood. And it's just not there for me yet. I'm just going overweight on Lowry and probably fading, fading Fleetwood. All right. So I'm going to be using the most of Kokrak and Lowry. I think, I think you've sold me on Lowry over Burns in this spot. Although I know you like Burns, but I am kind of worried a little bit. I've kind of talked myself out of Burns, despite him ranking number one by the stats that I've run this week. So that's always terrifying <laughs> when you fade the number one guy, your numbers tell you to play. Kokrak is just such a strong play for me. I bet him to win at 40 to one. I've also bet Brooks at 40 to one because I saw an odds boost. They let me cash out my 33 for even money to bet the 40. I mean, that's if you're talking about a sucker bet of a lifetime and they're just begging me to do it. I had to do it, but I probably won't play a ton of Brooks or Fleetwood, but I don't need to be huge on them. Like if I play 20% of each of them, I'm going to be like triple the field. So I feel pretty good about that across 50 lineups. It'll have enough combinations with them that if they do end up sneaking through Lowry and Kokrak, I would deem as safer plays with Brooks and Fleetwood having a bit of upside. And I do know that Brooks would probably have the most upside of that, but that's where I would be falling in the 9K range, leave the leave the chalky Fitzpatrick, leave the chalky Abraham answer and Louie for everyone else. Hopefully those guys implode and I'm on my way. $8,000 range. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Woodland at 85. And I think I'm just going to be, listen, if I'm playing Fleetwood and Brooks, fuck it, I'll play Webb too. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I look a long, I took a long and hard look at Webb because God, I mean, you would think, right, where, like, yes, driving driving accuracy doesn't really matter here as much as it does other places, just correlated to the success that you've seen the winners have here and off the tee. Not so, like not so much as approach or with the short game. And God, that's been Webb's game for how long? Just for whatever reason, he hasn't really been getting it into gear as of recent. But at $8,300, 70 to 1, Pat, for Webb Simpson, I mean, if I told you those, these numbers were going to be that, like, even from like 12 months ago, you'd be like, sign me up, right? Especially on a shorter course that if it is going to play a lot like Carolina golf, who does well in the Carolinas? It's Webb Simpson. So I love that call. Uh, I was 50-50 and I was, wait, I was hoping that she mentioned him to kind of sound me on Webb. But yeah, like it's going to be him. And like and Gary Woodland is getting so much love and for good reason, right? Two top five finishes, in his last three three uh, events, uh, a solid shot to win at, at Bay Hill. Didn't get it done. Um, but you take a look at what he's been doing 
This was his first win when it was like the Transitions Championship back in 2011, which was also held in March. So I love that call with Woodland. And Bubba's the other guy, right? Everyone's talking about Bubba. He's the other guy in the $8,000 range that we kind of have to talk about. Yeah, but no one's going to play Bubba. That's the big difference. People can talk all they want about Bubba. People might put an outright on Bubba to win. No one's using Bubba on DraftKings. No one is like, if you want to know who people are using in this 8K range, it is Norin, Keegan, and Russell Knox. Those are the three guys. Yeah. I mean, do you think Keegan would have got this much love if he didn't do what he did? Because he's played well here, you know, in recent years, especially in the first round. But <laughs> do you think like he would have gotten the love that he would have gotten? Because he is one of my favorites before. Monday's round where he absolutely destroyed. Um, but like now I think he's just a little bit too much, right? Like he's just getting too much love in this range. We know like full Keegan is probably one of the first things I learned when I got into this industry five, six years ago, when you go full Keegan. So I'm worried about that. And if Russell Knox can putt like he did last week. He can't. That, like, he can't putt I know like he, he did can. last week, every week, because he's a terrible putter. He is. He is. But if he closes his eyes a la Sergio when he won, maybe that can know. Like, if he can just make some putts, just some putts, then maybe. Uh, but no, I'm not playing Russell Knox. I'm going to be pretty heavy, uh, heavy on Gary Woodland um, and thinking about Bubba. Because if you're right, if no one plays Bubba at $8,800, I think he sets up well here. Yeah, I'd say Bubba's a mortal lock for single-digit ownership, probably like yep. 7% in giant GPPs, only because of the way the construction works this week, right? So if you're looking at the very top end, the very top players, like everyone above Louie and above is going to be at least like 13 14%, with four mm-hmm. of those guys being 20%. That means that everyone is doubling up on those guys, or they're going some version of Thomas, Louie, or sorry, like Morikawa, Louie, Fitzpatrick. Like that's going to be very common as well. That once you just get to Fitzpatrick, everything kind of falls off a cliff and then people can only choose one of these 8K guys. And maybe Noren's ownership is being a bit inflated by people on Fantasy National. That could most definitely be the case, but I would still expect him to be at least 10% in this range. Same as Keegan uh, and Russell Knox probably will end up being the highest owned of all these guys. And then I just kind of find the soft spots like... Mm -hmm. I don't know, like Tringali, very few people are going to use him. Werner, no one's going to go back there. Like Woodland is going to be like semi-owned, but he's not going to be double digits, at least in my mind. No one's using Jason Day, Bubba Watson. No one's using him. Kisner, no one wants that smoke. And then Webb, I mean, the guy's coming off of injury, played last week, looked like crap in the bad wave. I don't even really know what to do with him. Yeah, but I think that I think that's your point, though, right? At this course, and look, I, I think for me personally, I've been completely wrong in the Florida swing with my guys, right? The, the, the research and the guys who I think are going to do well, and that's kind of what you have to embrace, like this month in the Florida swing, right? Is that you're going to get guys who have these swings that you might not feel comfortable rostering, uh, but you're right. Like I know Jason Day was getting some love last week coming into that tournament. Like he's another guy, right? Who's been playing a lot better of recent and he had some solid finishes at the beginning of the year, not necessarily saying I'm, I'm running to, to play Jason day, but you could easily, like you would just tell you, you just mentioned, you could easily start a lineup, Shane Lowry, you know, in that nine K range, Brooks Kepka and, and hit some of these guys two or three of these guys in the eight K range, and then go down to the six and you can have a pretty decent lineup. It doesn't have a ton of ownership. Like you don't have have all guys in single digits, but that's the type of stuff that you think about in the Florida swing because rarely does it work out the thing like the way you think, right? 
Oh, hundred percent. And I've listened, I'm not afraid to eat some of the chalk. You're going to have to, if you play yeah. anyone above $9,000, like Lowry's going to be chalky, Morikawa is going to be chalky and I'll play Alex Noren too. So I, I don't have the hardest convictions on guys in the eights, but for right now, I'm looking at Woodland and Noren as my two strongest plays with a sprinkle, a dash of Webb Simpson, almost like with Tommy Fleetwood, just sprinkle him in there somewhere just so I have some exposure because I don't want to be the guy who sat here looking at Webb the entire time being like, man, that's really cheap for Webb Simpson. Not play and be like, oh yeah, Webb Simpson. There's no chance in hell I would play Jason Day, by the way. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm going with the W's here with Woodland, Watson, and Webb. Um, you know, it's just like when you take a look, like I'm leaning a little bit more towards guys who like have that Carolina type of game, right? Like, Then why not it, Kisner, who, who won the Wyndham last year? Because like, I, I never play Kisner, and that's my fault uh, because like he's, he can play well in these spots, but I just like, there's some guys, right? Like I never play Tringali. I never play Kisner. And I always play the scrubs that screw me over uh, <laughs> like a female. Um, so that's just a personal preference. I, I think if anybody wants to, I won't talk them off, but especially because you play well, like Kisner is going to be, you know, what? 50% more owned than he would have been. Maybe, but I, I don't think that people are going to Kisner at all. Really? Yeah, well, I mean, they go look at what he did last week. The guy couldn't drive. The guy couldn't hit an iron. He just chipped in and made his putts all week. But everybody loves him. Like, like I see him all on Twitter. You are too bubble. much in a Twitter bubble, sir. Uh, you're Not right. everyone loves Kevin Kisner. You're right. Okay, fine, fine. I, I, okay, I'm in one of them. I'm in that camp then. I don't love Kevin Kisner. I'm just not going to play him. I'd rather play Webb, right? If I'm choosing that type of style of golfer, I'd rather play Webb. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day, and that's not a lie, because I take one scoop of Athletic Greens into the water, shake it up, and I got my breakfast to go for the day. Gives me the energy I need to be as fired up as possible. Doesn't make me logy like having like eggs and bacon does, and it gives me all the nutrients that I need. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens. To help you start your day right, the special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging. It's lifestyle friendly too. Whatever you eat, keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, Athletic Greens has got you covered. It supports mental clarity and alertness. And some people take a ton of multivitamins, and this way you don't have to because it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb, and that is what Athletic Greens can do for you. And it costs less than $3 a day. If you're investing in your health, it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. And Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a weird, complicated supplement routine to recover that was costing him $100 per day. It's $3 a day. That's much better than that. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews as well. It's recommended by professional athletes and me, Pat Mayo. So that's how you know that it's going to be good. Right now is an easy time to reclaim your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mayo. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash mayo to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode 
doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without the added security, you may as well just give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, and your ISP and other prying eyes. That's why I use IP Vanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vantage on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed, your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like Fire Stick. When you're streaming media, whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vantage. IP Vantage is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan right now to our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's like getting nine months for free. IP Vantage is so easy to use. All you got to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know what's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything that you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com mayo and use promotional code mayo to claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash mayo. Let's drop to the sevens. We have an Adam. We have an Adam Hadwin problem here because the numbers love Adam Hadwin. We know we all love Adam Hadwin. He's a former winner here, but this is going to cause his ownership to skyrocket. Yeah, this week, uh, and maybe it's not as pronounced as maybe I think it's going to be because I initially coming into the week I thought he'd be right around twenty percent, and that's what's Fantasy National is showing around. 20% right now. If you want to check the updated ownerships, once more lineups get generated, fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself 20% off. You can generate your lineups, use the simulator, all that fun stuff. But the, I thought there'd be a huge discrepancy between Hadwin and Seabez. And maybe that's closer than I think, but I prefer Bezadenhout over Hadwin here. Yeah. Um, Hadwin, I mean, you know, uh, what, five, four of his last five tournaments this year, gaining through approach. Had a really good final round of players. Everything sets up for Hadwin at this course. You need a good short game and putting, right, to, to mix in with good irons, which is usually not the case, and that's Adam Hadwin. I'm actually going to, to your boy that you never like playing, and I mentioned a couple of times that always makes you a little bit irritated, is Mackenzie Hughes. Okay. That's where I'm going. Sell me. Uh, and look, you're going to need some short game luck here. You're going to need some guys who play well around the greens. These yeah, but average he, size- he- he needs short game luck just to make the cut. Hey, that's fine. That's fine. If you can pop, if you can give me four or five strokes around the greens, which again, it's not great. I'm, that's more hyperbole. I want like two, maybe one and a half, two, and then pop on the greens. That's what I want on a guy who's going to be probably two to 3% rostered in this range. Like we saw him be runner up at the Honda classic in 2020. Uh, he, I think in 2017, I know I'm dating all the way back four years ago at the players championship at a top 15. If you look at his last eight events, he's got a top five and a runner up, even though we, you know, his, his ball striking has been like just essentially break even, right? He hasn't really wowed in any of those categories, but if I want a guy who can pop on the greens and, and pop around and has some good history here in Florida, I'd much rather play him than like a 20% rostered Adam Hadwin. Not saying that he's going to potentially win this, but if you can get me a top 10, which he does in these stronger tournaments, Pat, I'm not saying this is a major type feel or a big tournament, but it's a lot stronger than what we've seen. Mackenzie Hughes 
at that number at $7,800, if not Cebes, right? Like you're mentioning has really piqued my interest. Everybody loves Aaron Wise because the numbers love him, but you know, I like 7,800 Mackenzie Hughes. I mean, Mackenzie Hughes is probably going to be as owned as Aaron Wise's. They're going to be both be like 6%. Okay. But look what Wise has done though. I've rostered Wise like the last two or three weeks and he's completely blown up my lineups. And look, Mackenzie Hughes. So, could do sort, the exact like thing. sort of, but like ball striking wise, he's been uber consistent. He just keeps losing four strokes putting, but as we look at some of the guys who have done well at this tournament in the past, it's that type of player that does well. I'd much rather roll the dice on Aaron Wise at this course than Mackenzie Hughes at this course. True, true. But again, like I mentioned, if I'm looking at guys that I want that I want to roster, quote unquote sleepers, right, that could go under the radar, I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to find those pockets of of guys okay. who can play well. But- Why not Streelman instead of Mackenzie Hughes? Look, you can make a case for any one of these guys over Mackenzie Hughes, right? Like Streelman, Wise, Bezadenhout, even Adam Hadwin, because of the numbers. What I'm looking at, too, is I want guys not just based off of those numbers, because so much of that, right, the stats, and this is what I've been trying to do this past month, Florida Swing, is can I, can I find a different way to look at how these guys could potentially play, not just the stats, right? And the, the stats for, for Streelman for Wise, for Hadwin, and for Bazenho look a lot better than Hughes. But when I take a look at the full picture and then dating back on the finishes for a guy like uh, Mackenzie Hughes, I like that a little bit more. Not saying that I hate the guys that are around him. I just like that form a little bit more than some of those players. And look, Shrillman, does he play well on these courses where you don't necessarily think he can? Absolutely. But you know, that's that's sort of my conviction with Mackenzie Hughes is I want to deploy him in these quote unquote tougher conditions when not a lot of people are playing them. Sure. I listen, I completely get it. Uh, I am going to go with Streelman and Wise over him. I mean, Streelman's won this event before. Well, let's not kid ourselves about Streelman. I had a pretty yeah. good week last week. And one thing, like you said, that driving accuracy doesn't play a huge factor. And I agree with you, but placement off the tee does. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need to be in the fairway. If you're in the right rough, some, it's a lot like heritage that way, where, you know, it's sometimes it's better being a bit shorter in the right rough and having a better angle at the pin than being deeper down in the left fairway with absolutely no angle to work with. Streelman at least can control the ball off the tee. That's what I like about Sebez as well. He's not going to bomb it by any means, but he is somewhat accurate off the tee that he can get the ball where it needs to go. With Hughes, I just, I mean, you're completely right. We, I just don't ever know when the ball striking is going to show up and will that ever mix with the short game and with the putting? If you're right, like the guy's going to come in like first place because he's a speeth, he's like minor league speeth. But this price is just too expensive for me uh, to gamble on someone like Mackenzie Hughes. You make him 6,800, not 7,800. I think that we're in business right now. I just think that there are more consistent options with the skill set that I'm looking for at this course than Mac Hughes. I mean, I don't know what to do with Weisberger, who hasn't really been playing all that well over on the DP mm-hmm. World Tour. Like he was 57th at the My Golf Life Open hosted by Pekinwood 2020. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that or 2022. I like I don't know what that is. Uh, then he missed it over at the Raz El Kamai Championship. But in Dubai, he was 24th. In Abu Dhabi, he was 12th. He, on paper, has the right sort of game for this place. Dude loves making par. Very good ball striker. Really can't putt. No short game, really, to speak of. But he's just going to go from A to B to C and try to two-putt for par every single time. And no one is going to use Bern Weisberger. And he needs a pretty strong week here. He'll probably get into the match play. 
because of how many people are going to withdraw, but like a decent week here propels him back into that bracket. Are you worried though, that he hasn't played on the PGA tour for what since last year? I mean, he's playing. It's not like he hasn't played golf. No, true. True. Like, I mean, no, it's, it's an honest question, right? It's like, how much stock do you put in the guys playing on tour as opposed to, you know, overseas and look, I mean, like, I hate to hearken on big old Louie for this whole entire episode, but how many worldwide wins does he have? And all we talk about is that he hasn't won at all on the PGA Tour for the last decade and a half. Now, I'm not saying that's Bern Weisberger. Like, we're not, you know, Weisberger is not $9,900 and he's not 16 to 1 to win the golf tournament. But that worries me uh, quite a bit, right, is that he hasn't been in competitive rounds on the PGA Tour. But to your point, if you take a look at his numbers – when he is on the PGA Tour, it's strong. He just sucks at putting, right? What do we always say? Like, we go back to Aaron Wise. He's truly, Pat, team no putt, and so is Wiesberger. His last two rounds, his last two tournaments on the PGA Tour, he's lost eight and a half strokes putting. Like, can he, can, should, he should be able to fix that, right? Just like we think Big Vic should be able to fix the around the green stuff. But, you know, that's that's what worries me about Bern Wiesberger is that, like, he just hasn't played on tour, and I want some of those guys, especially in Florida. Well, I see Louie hadn't played at all. He showed up to Phoenix and came in 13th. Lowry hadn't played at all, showed up to the Honda and came in second. I mean, they had played overseas. They had not played. I don't know, actually, I don't know if Louie had played anywhere, but Lowry was playing overseas, came over, yeah. played really well. I, I, just, I think there's a big difference than coming really? in cold than coming in like and having played six events already. Yeah. And like six events and like not making the cut. Right. Like that's the other thing. If, I'm not saying you just got to play tour events and if you're missing the cut. But with Louie and with Shane, both of those guys are major winners, right? Those are upper echelon. Both have, you know, especially Louie was a top 10 golfer. I think he still is, or he might be around there in his world golf ranking is, you know, that's an upper echelon of golfer that can come in cold turkey, right? Morikawa is the same way on the quote unquote on the PGA tour. So you also got to take that with a grain of salt as well. Like, like Wiesberger is a guy that I've always wanted to play. But to your point about Mackenzie Hughes being cheaper, if Wiesberger was $6,900 or near 7 k I'm all over it. But upper sevens around these other guys, he's probably the last one of the wise, the Streelmans, the Mackenzie Hughes, the Hadwins of who I want to play up top at the sevens. How dare you disrespect the Made in Himmerland presented by Fija 2021 <laughs> champion Bern Wiesberger? I remember, I, there, well, I forget which tournament was where it was, where he was like triple digits in the odds and all of us jumped on Bern. I think he missed the cup by like 14 strokes. Since then, I've had some, a pretty big, uh, some, some scar tissue on a good old Bern. All right. Well, who is it from the lower end of the sevens that you're looking at here? Because I got Nick Taylor, Martin Laird, Mito. Joel Damon is the ones I have highlighted at the moment and Danny Willard. I'm not committed to playing any of those guys as of yet. You can talk me in or out of them. Do we just take Sam Ryder and assume he's going to chip in for Eagle every time? God, no, no, absolutely not. I'm not playing that, that BS. Uh, good for him though, man. Cause if you can keep on doing that, then his numbers are going to look great uh, both in the score, uh, scorecard and in the bank account. But I'm going to my boy, the Panama CT pan, baby. You know, before his miscut last week, what he was doing leading into it, the Genesis, he played well, right? Uh, I forget if it was PJ National or Bay Hill, where he had a really good, um, a really good finish as well. $7,300 on these shorter courses, Pat, especially at his odds at 140s, if you get those each ways. That's a guy that I'm taking a look at 
down in this range, um, especially with the ball striking. And this other guy, I don't know why I'm, I'm on Canadians this this week, but Svensson. I, I mean, I haven't seen more missed putts inside four feet than Svensson. Um, where was it? Was that a PGA National? I think it was at Honda. It, it was at Honda. Oh my God. Uh, and it was extremely triggering. I, it was so, it was so bad, but now he's $7,200, right? He's not in that upper sevens or where he was, I think previous, I think he was in the, like the sixes at Honda, but that's the price where I like him at. Um, if he can figure it out, maybe make two more of those four foot putts instead of missing 18, then he can perform. So those are the two guys and, and party Marty, man, geez, his ball striking is fantastic. He just cannot putt. Um, but it's CT Pan, Svensson, and then probably Martin Laird for me. Laird, I, I mean, the numbers love Laird, obviously. I yeah. think he's worth the gamble at $7,200 that maybe this is the week that he putts. But, you know, most weeks he does not putt. But, yeah, 7200 for Party Marty. I'm in on that. I was thinking about Schwab a little bit just because the accuracy that he has mm. off the tee, and he's very good. Um, at least he was on the European tour. It's been kind of hit or miss since he's been on the PGA tour. So maybe he's not quite there yet. Nick Taylor just kind of does everything well, but nothing great. If you just want the Canadian pivot off of Spenson, it's probably Nick Taylor. So I was looking at him. I, I like your pan call. Lonto is sitting there at 74. I think that just a little bit of a resurgence from Molinari will get people onto him. I think I like Lonto a little bit more than him. So Lonto, Nick Taylor, Laird. Are we doing Mito? Are we going back to Mito? What are we doing? I'm I'm not. Uh, Look, Mito's fine. A lot of people love Mito. I think it's, you see what he can do and we might be putting correlation causation, right? Like we think that because Joaquin Neiman won and, uh, look, Mito is a good player in his own right, right? He's he's a solid ball striker, but, you know, at $7,200 when he's getting talked up so much, even before, even last week, Pat, everyone was talking about Mito at Valspar, Mito at Valspar. So his his sentiment has been working since last week and this entire year. I just want to see some form first before I, you know, before I'm on, on Mito, even at $7,200. I think you'll see Laird, Mito, maybe Kazire or Svensson carry the ownership from this lower tier. Uh, maybe a little bit of Damon, but probably not double digits, anything like that. But yeah, th- this bottom sevens is tough. It feels like there's a real drop off when you go to the sixes, unfortunately, because I don't see anyone I really love from down here. I mean, you could make a statistical case for playing Shez Reevy and then look up and you want to talk about someone who misses two foot putts. That's Shez Reevy. <laughs> Oh man, what happened to Chez, man? Since the U.S. Open, it's just been a precipitous downfall for Chez. Uh, yeah, I mean, God, it, like he just seems like he should do well on these type of courses, and he's played well. It's just has he gotten that form back in it? But uh, there, here's a name that I, I, I think might pique your interest here, Pat. It's sixty four hundred dollars. It's the Smotherman, Austin Smotherman. Um, he's someone too. look 16th in approach over his last 12 rounds. He's a guy that has a lot of form. He's a young player. He's cheap. You know, if you want to go a couple of guys in that, that $10,000 range, if you want to be heavy up at the top of the salary range, I think Smotherman does well. He's 16th ball striking 39 T to green over his last dozen rounds. That's the kind of stuff that I want to see from guys down here. He's got an early tea time on Thursday. It could get out to a hot start. That's someone I'm taking a look at at $6,400. And the other guy was Kucher, right? I think, or he might, Kucher might be at the seven right on that, on that mark, but he's played well here in the past. So you kind of want to go into that form. We've seen Charles Schwartz will do that a bunch of times here. 
maybe Kucher can find some of that Charles Schwartzel magic around this course. So um, I don't know. Is, is, uh, is Kucher? Kucher might be 7K flat, but that's those okay. are the, yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm six, not playing him either way. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't matter then. Um, <laughs> but some other men and then Danny Lee, Danny Lee at $6,600, right? Why not? I, I, listen, I, I bet Danny Lee to be first round leader. He has a great track record at this course. The three first round leaders I have in, if people are curious about that is Hickok, Percy, and Danny Lee would be the three guys that I'm in on right now. We didn't even talk about Hickok. What's his price? 6,500. Yeah. There's, there's the guy just play Kramer Hickok at 65. And if you really want to get dangerous, Cameron Percy is $6,100. And you want to talk about a guy who can't putt. He's the guy, but ball striking (laughs) has been off the charts. Good. What about Kurt Kitayama? I don't know what to do with him. Was it, was Honda an aberration from him? Maybe, maybe, but you would think, right? Like this has been my, my whole thing uh, with, with guys to do well. It's like, they don't just lose it. Right. Like they don't just like, yes, you can see a pop week from a guy like Kitayama, but I also think he doesn't just lose that. And it goes absolutely, you know, off the, you know, off the wall, off the cliff. So like what you're trying to find here in the 6k range, like we always talk about, right. Pet is, like, can you find a glimmer of hope, a narrative, something that you can gleam on or glom onto that can maybe push you? And look, it's when you talk about guys down here, it's really a lottery ticket of who can play well. There are some players that might set up perfectly, maybe maybe be mispriced, but that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for. I don't, I mean, kitayama has been playing, you know, a lot of good golf over in Europe. And maybe now it's just like, you know, the prices are catching up to him and they just haven't caught up just yet. So Danny Lee, Kitayama, Percy, Hickok. I'm going to throw Callum Terran into the mix mm. as well. I just the two performances, one in Puerto Rico, one at the Honda, a 20th, a fifth. I think it's worth noting that the, he's doing things, which is always nice to see. Even McGreevy showed up in the second place in Puerto Rico. I don't think we can completely overlook that, despite the fact that it's a bit of a scrub event. Uh, but he has putted much better on Bermuda uh, in his career. But like, Callum Terran, 30th of the Honda, sorry. Guy yeah. can't putt, guy can't chip, but the ball striking when it's on is immaculate. Yeah, four and a half, or 4.8 approach <laughs> at Honda. That is, yeah. Good. Like that, that's amazing, <laughs> right? Like that's solid golf at a difficult course. And if for whatever reason the weather picks up at the end of the week, um, that's what you want is you want guys who know they can play well in difficult conditions, right? Like you look at his what 1400 miscuts leading into the Honda and then he pops for a 30th, then he might have found something, you know, playing in Florida that he likes. So yeah, like it a lot. All right. So I have 23 players in my player pool right now. I'll probably play that with 50 lineups. And what I'll do is I'll probably play 30 with the 23 guys and be massively like overweight on some underweight on some, like I'm not getting 50% Brooks Kepka or Tommy Fleetwood or Webb Simpson. So those guys are going to be minor little pieces of that. Those kind of count as one guy in the player pool. And I'll use all these six K guys in there with them. Maybe I'll take Reavy out. That just seems like a bad idea. What's Chad Ramey been up to? Chad Ramey was someone I, I, I thought was good, but turns out he's not. He was fifth in Puerto Rico. That's not terrible. Okay. So now I'm down to 22. Maybe I can call a Kitayama or a Terran or Cameron Percy, but I think that I'll play 30, 35 lineups with all of those guys. And then I'll get rid of the 6K guys, maybe even one of the 10K guys and some of like the, 
the webs of the world cut them out of the player pool and make like a really tight core of guys that I really do like this week and probably play like 15 lineups with a pool of like 10 or 12 guys. Uh, and that will be what I'll do this week when it comes down to it. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Are you playing in, in those like higher buy-ins, um, lower uh, player pool, not player pool, but lower like users, competitors, you know, like the, like the Tambos of the world? Uh, well, I'm not playing as high stakes as Tambo, certainly yeah. not, but I'll probably throw all 50 lineups into the $5 and then I'll probably play in the 125 single entry qualifier for the world uh, golf championship. And I'll mm-hmm. play a couple like $100 single entry with the 833 or the, the, 200 well, like the 222 because i tend to do well in those i mean you have yeah. so much more room for error in those tournaments uh obviously the upside isn't there if you win like if you win the the 833 i think it's like five thousand bucks which you know what i would take every single week that would be great and it's not like i'm out here winning those tournaments but you know you you turn your hundred into a 300 like some people play cash games i would prefer to do those where you can treat them like a cash game but you do have the gpp upside to win yeah, and I don't know if this is the case. This is just my, you know, opinion or perspective. How many people looked at the last three weeks are up, right, on the Florida swing? I mean, how many people in general are up, but, like, how many people are up over the last three weeks in the Florida swing? So this might just be fatigue from DFS players that, you know what, we're not going to put as many lineups. We're not going to do as much here at the Valspar. So many guys are withdrawing. Maybe I will withdraw myself from as many lineups and you could find advantage and advantage that way as well. That if you keep your head to the grindstone, if you keep on, um, you know, doing the same things you've been doing that have been successful, then I think that's also a strategy as well is that, you know, there's one more term in the Florida swing. There's a lot of people that won't be playing this because of what happened with the players. Maybe. I mean, I made it really well with the players in terms of drafting. So I'm very happy with that. Um, you know, sometimes read, it t- just takes one lineup to be good. And that that's all it is. I feel bad for, I feel bad for Paul. Paul was winning like 48 K or something like that uh, late, late on the Sunday. And then Tim uh, cursed for Keegan Bradley. Oh, uh, Tim, Tim, Paul, I apologize. That is terrible. That is terrible. I did that though. In the fan, in the, um, the one and done Pat, where I started off hot. because I went Hideki at the Sony and then the reason why I'll never play Cameron Tringali again is because I took him at Pebble and he absolutely destroyed one of my best lineups. And the same thing happened, you know, that, you know, in that lineup, Rory um, at, at Bay Hill and then uh, who was it? Berger last week. And so, you know, I've seen that number go from, you know, four digits, maybe even five at some points throughout the day, Pat, now down to three, which look, I'll take. But uh, I, I feel I feel a lot a lot worse uh, for, for Paul than, than myself. Look, looking at the weather, I, I mean, should we talk about the weather after getting after I got it so wrong last week? But it does seem like the afternoon Friday at the Valspar might be incredibly windy. <laughs> yeah, look, it, it, and, and this is another good point, too. I made so many stupid bets pre-tournament uh, the week before for the players, not really right, considering the weather as much, and I paid for it. Right. Because I got guys on the wrong side of the tea draw. And, and it's funny because I wanted to play the PM AM guys because I thought that was really going to be a huge advantage. And it turned mm-hmm. out not to be. But I didn't put any consideration in that into my bets that I made on Monday. And all the guys that I scored with this week, whether it be Hadwin or Norin or Damon, uh, Tom Hoagie was another one. There's like top 40 bets, top 20 bets, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Like all those guys came through and they were all a part of the, of what I thought was going to be the bad draw, but I made all the bets before I even looked at the weather. So true. What do we yeah. do? 
turns just shows what I know, put it that way. But <laughs> looking at the weather right now, it is calling for gusts up to like 23, 22, a consistent high of like 17 Friday afternoon, where it does seem to be a little bit better in the morning. That's of Wednesday morning. What's going to happen on Wednesday evening? I don't know. I'll drop the link in to the newsletter on Wednesday evening. And you you can do your own research on this one, see what you come up with. But I do think that if there is going to be a weather advantage, although I did get it wrong last week, my biggest, and it, it wasn't really a problem. The reason I ended up winning money is because I naturally made a lot of, because I made 15 of 50 lineups that are exclusively PM, AM lineups. And the other 35 were kind of a free-for-all. The thing is, mm-hmm. most of the guys I liked were in the other side of the draw. So I had a lot of like five ones with like Berger as the guy who was, you know, in, in the good, what I thought was a good part of the draw, he made the cut anyway. So those mm-hmm. ended up being six of six lineups. That's how I had my Cam Smiths with all those guys that I talked about, the Norns, the Hadwins, the Damons. Uh, they all popped up in those lineups. So I had a lot of five ones the good way, which was just by happenstance, ended up being pretty good. But I think I'll try to build a few... I'll probably go heavier on the PM AM as of right now. Uh, So out of those, maybe I'll end up playing 60 lineups so I can dedicate more to this. Play 30 with the full player pool, play 15 with a condensed player pool or 20 with a condensed player pool, and then do like five and five each way or like seven and three each way, something like that. Seven and three seems lax, maybe like 10 and five. So 10 PM AM and then 5 AM PM, just, you know, in case I'm wrong again. (laughs) Yeah. Cover my bases here. Well, in Florida, right, can switch. Like that's the thing about this course, right? And in the, in the, this month, is that it can switch, and you can't really t- tell until it happens, right? We didn't really know the severity of what was going to happen last week until we actually saw it, and until we got to tea time on Thursday, where you're like, "Oh, this is going to be horrendous," um, and like you just saw, those guys got completely washed on the uh, the PMAM wave. But you're right, like. You, you, you want exposure like you did, right? Just in case, and this is true with anything, you want to hedge your bets, you want to hedge your lineups because what happens if it isn't? Um, but I, th- I think you're right. that The major part of it is a player pool that you feel confident in despite the weather because if they're good players and you have conviction about them, it doesn't matter what the weather is going to be, right? They're going to be good players. So let's do the play the best plays lineup this yes. week and, and see what we can come up with for the best plays on DraftKings. I think Fitz is the first man in. As crazy as that sounds, just because he's going to be so yeah. highly owned and he makes a lot of lineups work pretty easily. Do we want to stay away from the guys in the 10K? I don't know, because we could just say Louie, because Louie's going to be plus 20%. So we just go Louie and then Fitz. And then I think the rest of the lineup kind of creates itself if that's how you want to do it. Yeah. Does Hadwin? Hadwin, I feel like, has to be in there too, right? With how he's trending. Yeah, I got I got Louie, Fitz, Keegan, and Hadwin. That has a $7,400 left for two spots. So if I'm looking down, trying to track some ownership here in the lower 7,000s, you have like Spenson, who you had mentioned, pops up, Mito, mm-hmm. Denny McCarthy, Martin Laird. I would say Mito. Mm-hmm. Optimizers are really going to like Von Taylor this week because optimizers, <laughs> A, love Von Taylor to begin with, and he has like good history here. So. Right. That, that always rates out really huge. But I would say like Svensson and Mito are probably the guys. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so, I have to like divorce my like who I think is going to play well with who actually like the majority of people who think are going to play well. Can we get to, can we, is there anyone 71 who I think fits this? Not Mito. Let's see here. 
no one damon seems to be the only guy is there anyone like at 69 that is like popular how's zach john zach johnson i don't know no one's playing zach they, yeah. he, he keeps hitting the ball on practice yeah how is that zach fair? Johnson? idiot he needs to stop i, I think von taylor is going to, to go in this lineup what is this what's taylor at 70 6700 six so we play von taylor yeah then we're back up to 8100 so the lineup then becomes Louis Fitzpatrick, Keegan Russell Knox, yeah. Hadwin Von Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So that's the play, the best plays lineup this week on the Pat Mayo Experience. That lineup did not do well with the players. The first time in ages to play the plays lineup like didn't cash, which was stunning to me. That's what but we built it on the Saturday, although it had maybe it did end up cashing because it had Paul Casey and Rory. What a bad break for Casey. How's in the divot, Mark? Yeah, he wasn't going to win anyway. It's Paul Casey. Yeah, I know, but still. Now we have something to talk about why he wasn't going to win. I suppose. Reed Fowler, what are you up to this week? Uh, a show tonight. Um, I think, yeah, a show tonight. <laughs> it's me and Jeff Ulrich, along with Emerson Latzale, where we talk about all things football, all things golf, mostly golf. Um, and depending on when you're listening to this, it's Wednesday evening. So hopefully go back if you're listening to this later, but if you listen to it as quickly as possible, that's the show that's happening on Wednesday evening. And then next week, Pat, the W, the match play, right? That's next week. It is. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think the bracket comes out on Monday afternoon, right. but if I've read everything right. So that means Jeff and I will do a show after it gets released. Yeah. So yours truly will be on PGA tour live. Oh, for the for the match play. So this is a breaking news. I haven't uh, announced this yet to anybody. So here in the Pat Mayo experience, we are, you know, sirens flashing, breaking news that we'll be on PGA Tour Live or PGA Tour Live at the match play. It should be fun because we're going to be following, right? Instead of just like a specific hole, which is fun, but can get a little tedious. We're following a group, which is going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit more fun or following a, a you know, a matchup. So uh, it's really exciting. Does that mean you did? Do you go to Jacksonville to do that, or do you actually go to go to Austin? Go to Jacksonville. So the okay. studios, yeah, are in St. Augustine. So we'll go there. They they can't just let you do that from home if if you're not there anyway. Oh, we got to be in the studio, man. The whole setup, it's like full on trailers. Like you know, a lot of stuffs happening, Pat. You can't just do it. Like what I love to do at home, sitting on the couch. Hey, maybe it's kind of nice though, being in the studio, being amongst the people, Pat. Because you know, it's been a while since. Since good old Reed Fowler has been social with people. So uh, it's always nice to, to kind of get out of it. And here in New England, you kind of want to get out of this, this, this mess sometimes with the weather. All right. Well, I'll have football on Thursday with Jake Seeley talking about all the latest free agency signings. Next week, obviously, the betting show with Jeff. I think me, Jeff, and Cuss are going to talk some more football, maybe review some win totals. I'll have Oscar bets and picks if you're looking for those. My guy, Scott Yeager, maybe some research to go along with it. So... The fun never stops on the Pat Mayo Experience. Smash the like on the way out. Sub to Mayo Media Network. Sub to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Rate and review and sub to that newsletter. The Listener's League shall return for the match play. And I'll see you then. I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience. Experience. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.